podcast which you're about to listen to is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular Warrior Fan and his invalid brother, Zanrio. It is all the more tragic in that they were young, but had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. <laughs> The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Podcast Massacre. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, uh, you guys like sound design. Everyone likes listening to things because this is a podcast. So, welcome to the Commune Sound Design Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Wario fans, Zanrio, Adrian, and Golem. How are you guys all doing? Pretty good. Yeah, good. Fine. Yeah, so this is a, a podcast on the commune sound design? Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, is your mic working now? I heard some keyboard sounds there. Can we talk about those? Sure. <laughs> 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 that's just all of me writing up descriptions for my comic. There you go. Yeah. All right, we're already in the thick of it. I, I think we should mention, you know, this in honor of a sound design podcast, we're presenting this exclusively in sound. Yeah, this is to give you an impression of what it would be like to listen to a podcast that was audio only. You're going to make me look like a dick when I upload this to YouTube. <laughs> Can you do a YouTube thing where it, like, doesn't show video? You mean like a black screen? I just like tell it not to include video. I don't think you can. Mm, all right. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. And if we need to get Google to introduce that technology, we can wait. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get going, Adrian, uh, what's your favorite battle theme from an RPG? Well, I know when I first saw. Like, one of the trailers for Paper Mario Dream Team, I think it was when they were fighting this weird elephant thing. That had a really sick boss theme. That, yeah. And it stood out to me. And that's what immediately came to mind when you asked me that question. <laughs> Which right? game? I, I think you got your franchises crossed. Mario and Luigi Dream Team. Okay, you said Paper Mario Dream Team, and I was I was confused. That, I I hope I didn't, because that's wrong. Warrior fan, what's the scariest sound you ever heard in a video game? Probably Resident Evil 1, when the dog breaks the window. Oh, God. Yeah, scary indeed. Golem, what's the uh, the first sound you ever heard in a video game? I don't know. There are noises in Pitfall, right? Yeah, there are noises. It goes, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's probably the first sound then, because Pitfall was the first game I ever played. All right. Uh, Zanria, what is your favorite title theme or opening theme? Oh man, uh, yeah, that's it's hard to say. Huh? I just go with the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe the Danganronpa. Danganronpa opening theme. So, yeah, just pretty cool. All right, fair enough. Yes. So we're going to run this podcast by starting with concrete examples and moving towards the abstract such that 
we won't even open with the definition of sound design because I think it can be um, any terminology can be defined in a number of ways, and I think the value of that is only gained by coming towards a uh, communal definition. So it's my goal for us to work towards uh, some kind of unified concept of sound design and maybe some interesting threads that we can pursue in discussing the topic. I just wanted to say good use of the word communal. (laughs) Yeah, I did consider that. With that in mind, Golem, I'd like to ask you, what is an instance to you of memorable sound design? We actually just played it the other day. I know I told you I wanted to talk about Ray Crisis, but it struck me that pales in comparison to Star Fox Zero. And actually, Zombie U was the only other game that made me feel that way. So the Wii did a little bit of this, like with No More Heroes, but Wii U makes much bigger use of it, of the gamepad having its own speaker. And it's even got a uh, headphone jack. So if you want to, you can listen to the gamepad audio on a pair of headphones and then have the TV audio on its own track. So like in Zombie U, you'll have environmental noise coming out of your TV speakers. And then in my headphones, I heard the, the blips on the radar that would tell me what kind of stuff was around me. So in the same way that you have to keep your attention divided between the screen space on the TV and the screen space on the gamepad, you also have to keep your ears attention divided between the gamepad and the TV, where in Zombie U, I found a lot of times I would pay attention simply to one source of audio and miss another. So like, I would be paying attention to blips and miss that a zombie was going to come up and grab me or I would be listening for a zombie and kind of zoning out and like not really realizing that something important was blipping at me and Star Fox U or Star Fox Zero it's a little less crucial to the gameplay but it's still an element of design where more environmental noise happens on the TV what sucks is that all the music happens on the TV so like all of the cockpit noise happens on the gamepad so you get a lot of team chatter and you get a lot of pew pew like laser noises and it can drown out the music from the tv as much sense as it might make i still want to hear the music that's actually interesting that it divides music and sound that way because something that i do somewhat infrequently these days is turn off in-game music and listen to my own music while i play a game but i won't do that if i can't hear the sound effects yeah so um It's even more subtle than that in Star Fox Zero in that the cockpit sound effects are on the Wii U gamepad, and if you blow up an enemy ship, that's just going to happen on the TV. Yeah. I was about to point out, if there's one sound you want to overpower another one, it's the general sound effects in a game, because that's more important audio feedback than, you know, the game's music. In fact, you can very easily, like, mute the music of a game and still be able to play just fine. Whereas if you were to mute the sound effects, you find that it'd be very different playing a game with the sound effects off. So in your experience, the sound effects are typically more integrated into the actual like player actions, whereas uh, music is more an aesthetic. Yeah. If I might throw in an aside, it's interesting that you bring up the music versus sound effects decision because in a lot of early European PC games, like on Commodore 64, I don't know why, but people were really excited about music on those things. But to get the most out of the music, you would have to 
turn the sound effects off because they could design these really lush, interesting songs, but they would use all of the channels, and so they couldn't have any sound effects. So, like, if you play Cybernoid or something like that, on the title screen you say, do I want music or do I want sound effects? (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. It's also also another thing that, that actually has to go into the design of the game and how loud they make things. Most of the time, the sound effects of the game is going to be louder than the music. Like, if you look at the audio volume in, like, a video editor or something, yeah, most of the time, sound effects are going to be louder than music. And it's not a good idea to have the music drown out the sound effects. That reminds me of a common thing, or not a common thing, but, like, one thing I really hate in shooters is when the bullet sound effect from your ship is too loud. Oh, yeah. or, uh, I mean, it can even be inaudible, because, like, yes sound effect feedback is important but like i always know i'm shooting so there's no reason to give me feedback on that i think the what did the home port of metal black have that issue where the uh shot is insanely loud compared to the music yeah Yeah, Um, you want to balance that on the subject of sound balance itself which is uh sort of a technical thing we it is (laughs) come across yeah the idea though of sound effects versus music, which I think is interesting because my initial understanding of sound similarly to visuals or my initial reaction is that it's all aesthetic content. But obviously we've called to mind the idea that sound effects are part of feedback of the game. And music is not necessarily as inherently a medium for feedback but are there any instances you guys can think of where music is specifically used for feedback or where music does tell you something about what's going on in the game? Yes, oh. and I think we'll all have the same example in mind. Wario fan, take it away. Oh, no, maybe we don't have the same example. So you, you asked for music that changes depending on how well you're doing? Well, music that gives you feedback, but I think that's yeah an example of it if music changes to show you how well you're doing. Oh, gosh. Well, I can think of a few examples. Where do I start? <laughs> well, what it popped into mind first was, uh, I guess, Wind Waker. Yes. So, oh, what wow. specifically, uh, can you explain specifically what you mean from Wind Waker? Okay. When you attack the enemies, the music yes. strikes forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'm so glad we were on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, in, in Wind Waker, it gives the music a dynamic uh, element that when you hit something, you, instead of a sound effect, or in addition to a sound effect, because it does make a sword sound effect, in addition to the sound effect, it adds to the music. That's right. And as you all know, even if the enemy isn't on screen and you're not targeting anything, the combat music will start to play. And this is actually something you'll see in other games, like in Ninja Gaiden 2. So if like there's one enemy in the room that's still alive, even if you don't know where it is, the music is still playing, and that in itself, is some feedback to let you know there's something still there out to kill you. Yourself, I recall you mentioning that about Resident Evil 4. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 is what I was going to mention as well. That is the first game I really noticed that being in, and uh, I'm not sure of anything that predates it, but it doesn't necessarily tell you when enemies are going to show up, but the music will always stop when enemies are dead. So, it actually, in Resident Evil 4, I've always found it acts a little bit against the atmosphere of the game, I think in that case, they've given gameplay precedence over atmosphere because the music cutting out when enemies are dead tells you, okay, I'm safe now. Similar to the way 
that when you're in a save room, a different type of music plays to let you know this is a safe place. So it cuts the tension a little bit, but at the same time, it allows the player to shift modes uh, when they're in a large space. If they want to do some exploring, knowing that all the enemies are gone or knowing that there's one enemy left that they need to track down somewhere affects what might be their style of play. So it does it provides information critical to gameplay. Yeah, I think I, I feel certain it might have been Resident Evil 4, could have been another horror game. But I know there is a moment where it actually does play the uh, the danger music, for lack of a better term, when there's actually none around you. I think I know at one point, basically, they, they mess with you using the music. I don't believe Resident Evil 4 does that trick, but I know another game that uses it is Dead Space. And I'm, I'm sure it's not limited to just those two. If I thought harder, I could probably come up with more examples of it. Yeah. That is... Music giving us information about gameplay. Wario fan said an example where gameplay adds the music. That's an example where the music gives us information about gameplay. But in a objective sense or in a binary sense, are there games that use music to guide your performance or to show you how to play? Wario fan, you and I might have the same example in mind again. <laughs> oh, gosh. Are we on the wavelengths? Yeah. <laughs> so you want me to try and guess what you're saying? Yeah. I want to hear- yeah. So, Wario fan, don't give your honest answer. I want you to guess what Adrian was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, 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 a game that uses music for your performance. Yes. Ah. <sighs> Oh boy, I need the Johnny Carson hat. Um, I didn't know they made him into a hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like doing it tutorial-wise, the music changes. <laughs> it's all right if you don't guess Adrian's answer and just no, give it your isn't. I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself in front of four people in this room. <laughs> 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 uh, can I say? Yes, do it. You do it. Take the pressure off me. Bit trip runner. Oh. <laughs> I have I, no idea if Adrian's ever played. Of course. Yes. <laughs> oh. I'm it actually wasn't. It actually wasn't what I was thinking of. For this. But that is the right. That is a right example. Yes. I do have that game. Okay, that was what you were gonna say, Adrian. Sure? No, it was. It was actually Skies of Arcadia. All right, yeah, Skies of Arcadia oh. was what I was going to say. Um, oh, so you and you me win. are on the wavelength now. You win <laughs> because uh, Skies of Arcadia is awesome. So we will come back to Bitchert Runner in a minute. The, the reality here is I think there are certain, only so many games that really transparently or really obviously use uh, music in different ways. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we all have some common examples, and I think that's good for the, uh, I mean, it's, it's good if we could talk about games that more than one of us have played. So, Adrian, please go on about Skies of Arcadia. So, Skies of Arcadia, normally music starts out in a neutral state. If you start kicking their ass really good, the music becomes more uplifting. If they start kicking your ass really good, the music gets more uh, dramatic and tense. Scary, yeah. Scary, yeah. I wish I could find that on YouTube, but... By the way, on the subject of best battle themes, Skies of Arcadia's uh, ship battle theme, Bombardment, is my pick for the best battle theme. I, I almost remember it. 
in that instance, it's not necessarily information, new information that it's giving you, but it's uh, reflecting the progress of the battle. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah, it adds a more dynamic element where, despite the fact that what you're seeing in an RPG battle kind of tends to be pretty static, it's, you know, characters lined up against each other, it, on a gameplay level, or what's going on mechanically there, is that it's all just numbers that are going down, and watching numbers go down is um, generally not considered that exciting. So, Skies of Arcadia, in my personal experience, I find makes that a lot more exciting and really gets you into the battle because you can hear that feedback. So let me ask, in Paper Mario's Sticker Star, during the blooper fight, the music changes when you use this item that moves you into a new phase of the battle. And so there's like a clear objective cut when one track ends and the next track begins even though you can use this item at any point, or uh, you have some choice in when you trigger this phase of the battle. Whereas in Skies of Arcadia, there is no phase one, phase two. It's just the music triggers when enemy's HP is in a certain state and your HP is in a certain state. It's not really a click, because you can also constantly go back and forth between the danger and the, and the winning music. So which would you consider more effective or at least more appealing to you? Warrior fan, what would you say? I think the layered way would be the way to go. Just uh, just because it's a bit more grandiose, I suppose. Like, what that uh, reminds me of is is how much I enjoyed the uh, the map screen in Yoshi's Island. Because it got progressively better as you went along the worlds. Oh, yeah. They, I think they do that in New Island, too, where they add more instruments as you go through each of the world. You know, when they're playing the main theme. That's a neat touch. Although it's not to discredit the transitional way like that because punched out is pretty good at doing that too to just transition right into the winning music or the losing music and you don't really miss a beat yeah twilight princess has another thing where you're fighting the boss and it plays the regular boss music but then say you're fighting the big the big eel one you hook onto him and then you start stabbing shit on and start playing this you know triumphant you know you get you get the idea right so the music does change in the boss fight to show that hey you're kicking ass and it's just a neat touch i mean it wouldn't be any different if you know i don't even i'm pretty sure ocarina at the time doesn't do that but you know it's one of those things that hey it's a neat touch it is a very clear source of feedback but um yeah i forgot so you guys find that you prefer the game just progressing along or the music reflecting your progression rather than it being locked into states at certain points where it switches that's the thing I, with golem with golem greg's example i feel like the the one he described feels like you know the, the oh you weaken the enemy here's a, a music to cue that change i don't know i feel like not seeing the distinction there so... I think it's a very uh, subtle distinction, but I think that unless I'm misunderstanding because I haven't played Sick or Star, what I'm getting from that is that it's this like one unique instance where this is a thing that it's like a reward for you finding this thing. Like, hey, here's a new song that plays. Right. There's a specific item that triggers it, whereas in Skies of Arcadia, it's just based on the state of HP, which... You have HP in every boss battle. 
Right, you're going to, I mean, before you beat each boss, you're always going to hear the triumphant music. Like, it always kicks in. Unless someone's dead. (laughs) I hated that. (laughs) Well, yeah, don't be beating bosses with one of your characters dead. There's nothing honorable about that. (laughs) I might not think the game taught you a lesson. (laughs) Okay. Skies Arcadia does another cool thing. Anyone want to say the other cool thing that Skies Arcadia does while we're on it? Sound-wise or just in general? Yeah, I'm just talking really... No, I mean sound-wise, but I just wanted to see if it struck anyone else before I give you a hint at what it is. Okay. (laughs) That ends the quiz portion of the uh, podcast. Uh, The other... The way the music changes on the overworld? Yeah, that's it. You got it. Okay. <laughs> so Yeah, the music changes on the overworld. It's pretty cool. So can you describe more specifically what it does? Say you're going over to Nasser or Yafutoma or the Jungle One, which I forgot its name. Exotica. Exotica, uh, something like that. It's like it, it sounds like Exotica, basically. It's <laughs> Yeah. And Exotica. the other one is, I believe, Valua, and then there's an ice one that nobody lives there because everybody's dead. Yeah. So the music changes as you go to the different areas to dock your ship. So I think it also changes when you go you, when you fly really high and when you fly really deep. Once you unlock that ability, naturally, I believe it does that, or it's that the music goes away. I can't remember which. It's been a long time, and I don't actually own the game anymore. I don't remember exactly what happens when you fly high or low, but in greater detail. The way the music changes is like a subtle thing. It changes in instrumentation. It's not like mm-hmm. an actual different song for the different areas. Like you pass through a gate and suddenly you hear a different song. It's always the same song, the same overworld theme. But when you go towards the desert area, you get like some stringy Middle Eastern sounding instruments start to slowly add into the music as you get into that area. And then when you're so like, the, yeah. So the Banjo-Kazooie thing. Yeah, so it's yeah. the Banjo-Kazooie thing, but I didn't want to describe it by saying it's the Banjo-Kazooie thing. <laughs> it doesn't tell you what it is. <laughs> now everybody knows what the Banjo-Kazooie thing is. Yeah. Uh, I'm just I, really, I really happy. Remember. Yeah, I'm you really go. happy we came to it through Skies of Arcadia before Banjo-Kazooie, because the Skies of Arcadia music is just a lot better. Yeah. Um, oh, I, ooh, that's rough, but... Yeah, I probably would have even came to Donkey Kong 64 before Banjo-Kazooie because I actually played that one and I still have not played Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, I Donkey actually, Kong 64 kind of does the same thing. I don't dislike the music in Banjo-Kazooie, but I played Skies of Arcadia first and like it more. Now that we've talked a little bit about instrumentation and about instrumental build-up and performance, let's go back to Bit Trip Runner. Uh, Zanria, you played bit trip runner it sounded like yes so how does bit trip runner change the music as you play if you don't press at the right time and you missed a place to click then you don't get the beat for that right like if you miss the cues then it it doesn't play the actual notes yeah then if you hit more notes then you get more more music Right, so it captures your performance in some kind of description like Mega, Super, Ultra, and each of those have a different amount of instrumentation in the music that is more and more exciting the higher level you get. You were asking for examples of games where the music tells you how to play, 
And I took that a little too literally because, you know, a beat in the music occurs when Captain Video is about to hit a jump pad. Commander and to... Video. Yeah, what Captain the hell are you? Video is actually a, a completely different character. Did, did you play like the Korean knockoff version or something? <laughs> yeah. Bit trap runner. But regardless, no, what you're describing is, in fact, exactly what I meant. I think that those concepts are related. If you want to draw the connection or describe a little more about uh, what Bit Trip Runner does, go for it. If if I could say something, sure. Oh, good, I can still. I speak. mean, yeah, go for it for now. <laughs> Haven't lost but make privileges it, yet. But make it a good one. Oh, okay. Oh man. Well, um, I think that the other Bit Trip games have a better example of music as a progression thing than than Runner, because. With Runner, if you do bad, you just get sent back to the beginning. It doesn't have... I don't think it had the Super Mega Ultra. It doesn't, uh, no. it doesn't no. have Nether, but it does have... It has something. Oh, no, it has points at which... Like, at certain points in the level, there's one of those red crosses to collect. Oh, and, yeah, those things. That's what determines it. Yeah, and when you get that, it goes up a level, and the song changes. But it is... What you're saying is still accurate, that it is fixed to certain points in the level, almost similar to what Golem was describing about uh, Sticker Star, where there's like, a, when you do one right thing, it changes. So, sorry for getting off there, but go on about the other games in the series. Oh, well, I don't know if there's much more to say, except that the, the layered thing is more dynamic, because it's based on how well you do, rather than making sure you... you catch a certain flagged points like bit trip beat like if you if you miss too many beats the music's going to get worse and worse and then eventually you're just going to get pong graphics and by yeah. that point you get no music and then you have to really suffer and you just got to use some internal rhythm to get back to where you are <laughs> that, that bit trip beat was the one i was thinking of too does that actively affect the way you play the game Sometimes it used to, at least. I remember a lot of times when I would go into the, the netherworld, I'd get pretty frantic and demotivated, like, oh no, I, I, can't, I can't get my groove back, and then I'd die. You know, I felt the opposite way. I never played it seriously, but whenever I did play it, the netherworld was really helpful because it was a lot cleaner to look at. Oh. Yeah, so it is. <laughs> it's true that nether is black and white, so it's easier to see, and I guess... If you have a brain that music confuses you, then I'm sure that's helpful to not have it. I mean, sorry about your brain, but I guess it might be helpful. <laughs> Mr. 1978 graphics over here. <laughs> uh, so, Adrian, what did you think uh, in that capacity about whether it did it change how you play? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, naturally you're playing to music, so if you, you know, catch the... Um, Rhythm, harmony, beat, I don't know what, because I have no knowledge of music terminology. But basically it allows you to... the title of the game. Yeah, with Bit Trip Beat, it allows you to predict what the next set of beats are going to be. Because they're playing with the music. So you're saying not the change in states affected you, but actually observing the music and getting used to the uh, patterns in it helped you predict what was coming up? Yes. With regard to Nether, my experience was that, like, I hated that. Well, first of all, I'm with Warrior Fan. Like, it's really scary. And, like, it screws me up because the game is changing. 
like when I'm doing bad, I want things to like stay the same and be predictable and for it to be changing really, especially because it can happen really quickly. It just throws me off totally. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's the, the game is trying to make it more tense. My sister was that way about Tetris Attack, the way it would play danger music. That really freaked her out. I mean, what it makes me think of is Sonic when you're underwater and it plays the... Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I also would not... Like, if I was playing a stage, even if I was making progress, if I spent a lot of time in Nether, I didn't get anything out of it. Part of the game, or a big part of those games is the aesthetic experience you're getting, and I don't want to play in shitty Pong World. So if I ended up playing half a level in Nether, then I would replay the level until I was not doing that. And it motivated me to not just get by in the game, but to try to play well, because I wanted to hear the most uh, complete version of the song. Right. So it's like replay value. It is. I think it's a visualization or a aestheticization of score. And I think that's exactly what it's meant to be. I don't think there's a subtle about that. <laughs> it's score in a different sense. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's score, score. <laughs> so, as for what Adrian was saying about the beat giving him cues for how to play the game, Mm-hmm. I think it's most pronounced in Beat, but I think it's present in Runner as well and other games in the series to greater or lesser extents. What I was mentioning with Bit is actually something that you could apply to other uh, rhythm games. Right. I think it goes without saying that that's generally applicable to the standard model of a rhythm game that asks you to press buttons with the rhythm, essentially. Are there other games where the music communicates to you in that same way, like where there's something you can predict based on what is going on musically or what is going on in the sound or something like that, something that might be considered a, or might be characterized as like rhythm game-esque, but not necessarily just Parappa. Sound for Well, uh, pretty much and a rhythm game. Yeah, I think, it's definitely common in rhythm games. Actually, on the subject of rhythm games, Andrea, do you think there are rhythm games that are not like that? What do you mean? Rhythm games where the music is an important element, but it's not simply tap the button at each beat. I can't really think of any because either you get those notes that you have to press, or it's clear where you have to press because, like, sound cues or the rhythm of music. Yeah, so you feel like it is pretty much a universal element to rhythm games. Like, something wouldn't be a rhythm game if it didn't have that. Well, it it would be hard to make one without it. Yeah, I think we're maybe venturing into speculative territory. You mean, in particular, the idea that, like, it's binary, that, like, hitting a note is always good? Yeah, what I think of is, just sticking with the Bit Trip series for a second... I think beat, runner, core, those are very transparently, you're like doing a fixed input at fixed cues. And void and fate are a bit different. And not only do they tend to be the least talked about of the series, but I think a lot of people don't even think of them as rhythm games, or I've never heard anyone sort of 
try to get into what they are as rhythm games, most people just describe Fate as like a really boring shmup. And I've always felt like the makers of BitTrip saw fit to put them there. So, I mean, it's possible they were just being experimental and maybe they didn't want to make a rhythm game. But I've always thought it was interesting to try to see like what is rhythmic about the gameplay when it's not simply hitting a button. With those games, it felt more like they were music-related rather than rhythm. Right. What is the difference, I guess, between a music game and a rhythm game? I feel like there are other games in which that concept is or that contrast has come up. A music game would be a game like Res, where your gameplay has influence over the music pretty directly. Where, like, if not a one-to-one mapping with your button inputs, then like you have a pretty direct impact. Whereas a rhythm game would be one where the music directs your gameplay. I guess you know it's a chicken or the egg. Is your music influencing the gameplay, or is your gameplay influencing the music? And I feel like Fate belongs in the category of gameplay affecting music. Fate, you would say, is more comparable to the battle theme in Skies of Arcadia changing. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's just that, you know, in Skies of Arcadia, it's not so direct in uh, uh, mapping. Well, what makes you feel like it's more direct in Fate? So uh, the way I recall Fate working is that killing enemies has a musical cue of its own and you do a lot of killing enemies so you kind of make a song out of how you kill them right yeah that's a fairly accurate description uh whereas in skies of arcadia the song might change a couple of times during the battle but you'll land way more hits than the music will change whereas in fate every note in the song is determined by your gameplay so it's a matter of granularity basically yeah yeah Yeah, I think that's a a good description, and that brings me to another game that I think might be described as a music game, or is typically described as a music game rather than a rhythm game, which is The Blob for Wii. Uh, I don't know if, have any of you guys played The Blob? Yes. Yes. Uh, Zanrio or Wario fan, would you like to describe how the music in that game works? Well, it's, uh, it's been a while, but if I remember right, you you gotta paint town as as yourself as a big blob, and you can uh, find things in which to become a color, uh, you know, red, green, all that, you know, the general stuff. And depending on the yeah, color, any color you like. <laughs> all right, yeah, the whole spectrum. So depending on the color, if I remember right, that changes what instrument plays when you color things. Yeah. So when you color things is when it plays, uh, like, music? Yeah, it plays, like, a small tune. And depending on your color, it plays a different kind of instrument. Or sounds kind of different. Yeah, so that's a general idea. And then the backing song, similar to what we described in Fate and Skies of Arcadia, is uh, the same song, but it is, like, adding to that song. In the case of the Blob... The gameplay is not reliant on that. Like, you can play the game while... Well, you can't disregard what color you are, but it's not like a bit trip game where you're going to lose if you don't color things at a certain interval or whatever. Like, you're kind of... What I'm trying to say is you're more free to do it at your own pace. 
like the way that you color things and the order that you do different colors and stuff like that. It's more of an open canvas, so to speak. Warrior Fan, what did you get out of the music in that game or the game? Or how did you feel like the game would work without music or? Well, I thought the music was more incidental. Like I wouldn't really describe the blob as, as a rhythm game in a sense. Like if I got bored listening to what Red was doing after a while, I'd switch to green or brown or blue or something like that and, and just uh, chill out to that rather than... Um, I guess I sort of selected my own soundtrack in a sense in that way. When you ask that question, it kind of sounds like, what would the blob be without color? <laughs> I mean, it's not coincidental. It's neat that it's a game about painting things, but really it's about, like, soundtrack. So what you're saying, Warrior Fan, is that you would change what you were doing in the game so that you could hear a different song. Yeah. Yeah, I find that characteristic of my experience as well. As a matter of fact, I'm actually playing through to Blob 2 right now, and I specifically choose colors that, like, I like the instrument, like the yellow for saxophone and green for organs and purple for guitar, I think sound the coolest. And then, like, the orange, which is trombone, sounds like horse shit. Uh, So I (laughs) try try really hard to avoid orange. So does the game use that as, like, punishment? Like, you're performing poorly, so you get orange? (laughs) (laughs) The game egalitarian as it is likes to pretend that all instruments are just as good as the others uh, but we all know that's not necessarily true but yeah I find myself picking instruments like to mix it up I don't want to do red for the entire time uh, and the game forces you to mix it up sometimes by making you paint certain colors but overall the reason I play the game is because I like listening to the music and if it wasn't for that input that I have on it or the way that it reflects the way I'm playing, I don't think I'd have any interest in it at all. The game uses, or the soundtrack is sort of jazz funk, uh, which is conducive without getting into musical theory uh, more than what you can read on the front page of Wikipedia. Uh, It's conducive to soloing, and what you're doing as you play is essentially soloing, so it fits in notes with the chords that are going on in the background music that prevents it from sounding like random noise. Like it does all the hard work for you. It's sort of like a Wii music thing, you know? Yeah. In the context of DeBlob, which is a game about more than just making music or that is superficially has more elements than just press button to play sound, the idea of not letting you make bad music works because the game is motivated ways uh, by encouraging you with objectives and uh, with enemies and platforming challenges such that the music playing well is your reward for playing the game according to its other rules. So if the music were to play badly, if you didn't paint a whole block the same color, that'd be an additional level of complexity which might make the game more interesting, but is also not necessary to the way it functions as is. So that's a context in which that we music, everything you do sounds right, I think does work. And it just requires there to be more than just that going on. 
so we've talked about music for a while here, and we've uh, gotten to rhythm games, uh, but we actually started off talking about sound effects. And I think possibly the reason we spent a lot of time talking about music is that it's hard to really dive into the idea of sound effects. Like, I feel like we generally have binary reactions to the mother. It sounds good or it sounds bad. We were looking for examples where music was more than just aesthetic and was actually something functional. You know, it in being used as a source of feedback the way most sound effects in games are. Yeah, so let's talk about how sound effects are used. Or, I mean, sound effects sounds really specific, but basically anything aside from music. Or are there instances where sound outside of music is used to indicate uh, your performance or to guide the way you play? We know when, like, a zombie moans in Resident Evil, that's telling you, okay, there's a zombie in the room. But are there ways that other sounds are used to tell you that you're doing a good job or that you should do X thing? Well, in Space Harrier, when you hit something fleshy, it makes a fleshy sound. And when you hit something invincible, it makes a ding sound like it's deflecting off the surface. Yeah, Mega Man's a game that does that similarly. Yeah, yeah. It's actually something that's really confusing when you play Contra at first because it makes a ding, ding, ding when you hit anything in that game. Right. Which... It's like if you hit enemies that die in one hit, it doesn't make that sound. But if you hit enemies that have health, it does. And it sounds like it's just doing nothing. But it's really that they have yeah. health. Yeah. Because something like high-pitched like that is, isn't normally the sound you make for taking damage. It's going to be something more deeper and punchier like in Batman for the NES where it's like like that. It is a really metallic sound that definitely, I agree, reminds me more of the Mega Man reflected shot sound. You know, when I think of sound design, I think of something that would, you know, not necessarily music, but more how the sound is produced, what speaker it comes out of, Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Like if it's a MP3 or a MIDI? Yeah, like that I consider sound design. When you talk about the successful song happens when you're good in Skies of Arcadia, it sounds like you're conflating game design and sound design, whereas sound design is like already its own thing. So to you, sound design is the act of composing the sounds, not the act of integrating the sounds. Right. Yeah, see, I would disagree with that. I mean, composing the sounds is itself something, but I... Sound design I consider to be a subset of game design or as regards something like the music in Skies of Arcadia, not unlike the way that sound mixing and editing is a a fundamental part of making movies and placing the sounds is itself an additional task because of what we've talked about. You can play a game with the game muted and the game can still function. So in terms of composition... What were you thinking was an interesting uh, example of a game? Well, that's why I started out with the Wii U examples like Star Fox Zero and Zombie U in that uh, certainly those examples have gameplay implications, but also you know, when it comes to sound design, I guess the easiest thing for me to think about is how you use sound to convey space. So that's why I was really fixated on cockpit noises versus environment noises in Star Fox, in that they use the different speakers to convey two different senses of space. Okay. 
using different sounds to convey space or using sound uh, placement to convey space, do you think that is dissimilar from Adrian's comment that in Contra, the sound effect for hitting an enemy sounds more like, or sounds like a poorly chosen sound, one that you would associate with not doing damage versus doing damage? Do you think that's along the same lines? Yeah, because if you were watching a movie and Jackie Chan kicks a guy and it makes a fart noise instead of a you know a meat <laughs> uh, instead of like a, a meat slamming sound then it would be like what the hell and that's like what the contra example is it's like your gun hitting something and it makes an inappropriate sound i don't know do you know what i'm getting at i know what you're yeah. getting at I'm yeah trying to drive feel- something there's one thing i just want to understand it- is that Yourself, what was it that Greg said that you initially disagreed with? Because that one I actually kind of lost track of. Oh, he said that uh, Greg was saying that um, he felt that our examples for Skies of Arcadia was more of an aspect of the game design than the sound design. Because sound design is is just the sound in general. It's It's the process of the soundtrack being designed. Right, so that like when you do and fully work for a, a movie and a, a bullet pierces a guy, you wouldn't have it make a ding sound any more than you would in Contra. So what Greg is saying, or Golem is saying, I think, is the game designer would say, I want, in Contra, I want the bullet hitting the enemy to make a sound, and the sound designer would say back to him, all right, here is the sound that it will make. Is that the distinction? Is that a correct characterization? I guess uh, what it comes down to is the gameplay designer wants the sound to convey information about how to play the game, whereas the sound designer wants to convey information about, like, the fiction of the world. Right. The game designer defines the purpose of the sound, and the sound designer defines the character of the sound. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so Adrian, what were you going to say about that? Because I don't totally agree with that sentiment, so what were you going to say? Well, right now, I don't really know what, 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 what the distinction he was making, but um, I'm kind of in a... <laughs> not to be rude, but I, I feel like it's not worth, a, worth clarifying anymore. Or, <laughs> that was just a really indirect way of me saying, I don't care because I don't think it's useful. I don't think Golem was trying to make an arbitrary point. I think what he was saying is that there's some expectation or he was just characterizing his expectation of what sound design is yes yeah yeah i know that and that's why it's like well whatever he considers sound design you know let's just talk about stuff <laughs> yeah true i think regardless of what we call these things they're all interesting things to talk about but i think his point is valuable because it brings the focus that there's an additional step going on there like in Skies of Arcadia, having music that conveys that what you're doing is good and triumphant is only part of the job. The rest of the job is how do we make a sound, or how do we make music that sounds triumphant? And as people interested in game design, that type of music compositional stuff is is not necessarily stuff that we really might have a great grasp on or, or have the right background to discuss a lot. An example that might get to the heart of your point is like, you know, if you swap the successful music and the almost dead music in Skies of Arcadia, 
you know, in terms of programming, that's the same thing. But in terms of composition, that's like totally different. Right. Despite the fact that the same transition is happening, it doesn't convey the same information because there's an like the aesthetic actually does capture some information. And that's why I compared that to the Contra example, because I think that's very important that like the sounds themselves are a big element of the sound design, whether that is exclusively what sound design is, doesn't really matter. But that's something interesting to discuss in and of itself. Right. The sounds themselves versus what the sounds are meant for, what they're supposed to cue yeah. in. Anyways, I wanted to say I actually really like Greg's example, and he like you damn you took damn you because you took my example earlier because I actually think the Wii Remote having a speaker is a really cool idea. Because one of the things about sound, or should you say sound design in games, is that it's actually really easy to overwhelm the ears, I find. Like, whenever you look at the sound settings for a game, you'll typically notice that there's only, like, three different channels that you can adjust the sound volumes on. Typically voices, music, and the sound effects, right? Yeah. Any more than that. Or actually, even even with that, sometimes if there's too many sound effects going on, you'll be like, what the fuck am I even hearing? And even just with those three, no, I know that there's times in games when, like, I'm in the middle of a fight and characters are talking to me. And I might think, yo, this I'm missing out on some good story or shut the hell up. I'm in the middle of a fight. Because <laughs> some people say they, they prefer it if the games not stop and do the story thing. I actually kind of hate it the other way when they're both happening at the same time. And I'm like, fuck, I'm trying to play the game and the character's trying to do story. And it's like, I can, I need to focus on one. Sometimes it works, don't get me wrong. When there's just barely enough going on that it's not overwhelming. But other times it's like, oh, stop. One of, one of you needs to stop. And sometimes there's been occasions when characters are talking and it's like, I'm trying to listen for certain audio cues when playing the game. I know one time in Kid Icarus Uprising, I think that happened. That happens all the time. Yeah, I just don't listen to that. I turn off the sound and that because I hate listening to them talk while I'm trying to play. Yeah, norm- actually, normally it does a good job of not playing the sound when you're in the middle of combat. But sometimes they'll give me like tips in combat. It's like, wait, what the fuck did she just say? I-, I didn't hear it because, you know, I was kind of in a hectic moment. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was actually when you're fighting with Dark Pit against like a huge... A gauntlet of enemies that something important happened and I missed it because the characters are talking. So sound design is easy to overwhelm, but one way you can lessen that burden is actually just having the sound coming out of the speakers because the position of sound is different. So it's something very distinct, like say the sound effect of the of hitting a tennis ball in Wii Sports. Because of the position of where the sound's coming from, TV monitors versus, you know, this thing in my hand. Uh, I think that's actually something, you know, really useful for playing games. It's kind of like the way how Rumble is a source of additional. Feedback. I mean, I think the Wii Rem- or the Wii Remote is um, something more directly connected to the console that does it. But I think what you're generally describing is the value of like surround sound. Like yes, the idea that surround sound creates a greater contextual environment for sound to exist in. So mm-hmm. when a sound is placed somewhere, within that greater context, it's easier to isolate it um, yep. rather than having everything be coming at you from two speakers from... and essentially being layered on top of each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a, a good point, Adrian, about additional context. I actually have never set up a surround sound system because I don't care enough to, but it would probably be cool. Yeah, I actually, the headphones I'm wearing right now actually have surround sound. So I'm actually curious as to what PC games are even compatible with that because that's not actually something I see or something I actively seek for in you know my audio settings for games, although now uh, I'm thinking more about it. And that's one of the reasons why I like the topic of this podcast because I feel like sound design in general is something very easy to overlook. How many people talk about how in Ocarina of Time they actually use music as a way to cue you in in the correct path and the lost world? And how many games even bother to do that or use music in a way like that? Well, yeah, I mean, there's another example of the earlier subject we were discussing about music telling you what to do. I mean, that's a great example of it. I was going to connect the surround sound thing back to a game that we all played and discussed a long time ago, Sound Voyager. Yeah. Um, Because Sound Voyager is an example of a game that simply could not work if it was all coming through one speaker. and. So the additional information there that you get just from stereo is an example of the conceptual expansion you can do with sound when you have additional channels for it. Mm-hmm. So like uh, a surround sound version of Sound Voyager, maybe that could do a lot more than the really simple gameplay we saw in the basic uh, stereo version. I wanted to make one more follow-on point to what Agent said about uh, sound overwhelming you. A game I've been playing a lot recently, or a series, is Ace Combat. And Ace Combat, you are in these big jet battles with lots of pilots talking on the radio to you all, sort of talking over each other, and there's a lot of clutter in the sound. But there it's intentional, and I think it actually works really well to create like a chaotic atmosphere. And part of what makes it interesting is that there will be snippets of information in that sound that if you're not paying attention to it, it's all just going to sound like a bunch of noisy chatter. But if you actually listen, you'll get not necessarily hints, but they'll throw in stuff like, uh, you know, the unit at this location or or someone will be saying like, need help at this location or something like that. Just little snippets of stuff that can indicate to you what you might want to do that you're not going to catch if you're not paying attention. And it's uh, interesting that it makes you sort of sort through the sound that way. Mm -hmm. All right. I think we've gotten through some interesting topics here. Yeah. Are there any games? I mean, I don't want to draw this out forever with us talking about every single game that has cool sound in it, because I think, I mean, we could go on forever. Are there any particular games that anyone thinks are really neat that they'd like to talk about before we draw to a close? Yes. I didn't ask you, RFN. Oh, man. (laughs) Actually, something that that brought up to my mind about good sound effects was Daniel Johnson's game. Oh, Cave of Atman. Oh, Wario 4. (laughs) Wario Land 4. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I keep thinking Sakura instead of what the actual name of the game is. I have no uh, idea what you're talking about. Him and his brother and, and somebody else made a, a indie game, uh, sort of like a puzzle strategy game of sorts. Oh, 
Yes, I do remember seeing this now. Okay, yeah, the skeleton game. Yeah, the skeleton game. And what I thought was really cool is how when you moved each class, they had little different sound effects for their walking. Like you could hear the clanking of the armor or, or something like that. And they, they had nice, satisfying sound effects when you when you beat the enemies too. And they were all very individualized. And I could, I don't know, it, it gave me a real nice atmosphere. Yes, yeah, so it's like characterization done through sound. Yeah. Now that Warrior fan brought that up, not to get too carried away, but um, sound is definitely something super important in, say, stealth games. Probably one of the most important things is to let you know what you're walking on. At least for any stealth game that uses, say, whether you're walking in snow or on a metal floor that makes a lot of noise when you walk on top of it. You know, that so kind of thing. That... Damn metal floors. Yeah. All over the place. <laughs> yeah, those kind of things. And whether or not you can hear the guards chattering or something like that, that helps when playing those games. Because, um,. Yeah, sounds a big deal in those games because you're trying to stay quiet, so it helps to hear the sounds you're making. Yeah, I think stealth games are definitely dependent on... um, Their sound design. Yeah, soundscapes like that. Even to the extent that a lot of times they visualize sound, like uh, which I guess is kind of cheating. They'll like put a radius... I mean, Mark of the Ninja is one I'm thinking of where it will put a radius around where a sound can be heard. That sounds kind of cool. Well, Mark of the Ninja is awesome, and you should definitely play it, but uh, that's okay. beside the point. <laughs> that's also a matter of accessibility, right? It is, and as a matter of fact, the hard mode of the game turns that off. Oh, I just meant, like, if I'm deaf, that helps me play. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, fair. that's true. I would be surprised if that was the motivation for putting it in Mark of the Ninja, but it's certainly a benefit of it. So I didn't get to bring up how much I hate the beeping sound that Zelda or oh any other God. such games make. The first one is yeah. the worst. Yeah, the... I think Metroid's, e- Metroid's even worse. Both the first and fir- first Zelda and first Metroid have the absolute worst of those. Mm, I think you need to play Socket. Socket? <laughs> Yeah. No, I don't think I you think, need to play Socket. I think, yeah, I was about to, I was going to make a joke. He's like, I think I don't need to now that you said that. Yeah, shelve it. <laughs> that is an example where I feel like they just take a little overboard. You are supposed to hate the sound, or the sound is supposed to be conveying to you that you're in a bad state that you need to get out of. But <sighs> Axiom Verge, I think, does it quite nicely, where it does the it same almost- thing. Uh, it almost goes with the music. <laughs> well, right. It, like, beeps at you, but then it sort of fades into the background after a while. It becomes frustrating in Zelda, I think, not because the sound exists, but because there are times when I have two hearts and I need to finish this boss fight. I can't get more hearts in the boss fight. You don't need to tell me that I only have two hearts. I'm just stuck in this situation, so that's where it becomes really irritating yeah, yeah. i think it, in, in general i just think the beep sounds can be really annoying if there's anything that's going to get on a person's nerves it's very high-pitched noises that are yes. done repeatedly and yes. that's where they that's where they go wrong and you can tell in later zelda games because i know in twilight princess when we were on lord health it's very easy to phase out because you'll hear it but because it's not as high-pitched that it goes away, but 
with Zelda 1, it is very high-pitched, and it's harder to tune out, way harder. And that very high-pitched, very rapid beeping in Metroid when you're on really low health is maybe even worse. All right. Well, I think we've had some really interesting discussion here, and I think we've covered, as expected, a broad range of topics that would be interesting to drill down into and reapply to a single game, looking for instances of each thing and how those overall contribute to a single sound design effort. Seeing all these things come together is is really what sound design is about. Yeah. But I'm glad that we've hashed out a lot of them because I think it forms a nice basis to talk about in the future. Did anyone else have uh, anything they wanted to, any particular instances that they don't think were covered in our discussion so far? Any particular examples not discussed? Um, now, although I'll probably think of one Chicken and then get mad at myself for not bringing it up. <laughs> uh, don't worry about oh. it. I mean, like I said, this is all about setting up stuff for us to pursue in the future. What's right. the Chippy Robo one? I thought he said chicken soup. <laughs> Did you say chicken soup, Warrior Fan? I was right. I, I'm I? sorry. It was Chibi Robo. Oh, God. All oh. right. What about Chibi Robo? Oh, you sound so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chibi Robo, he makes music every time he does anything. When he when he walks, the the, the music plays these jaunty little notes. And when he cleans, the music plays, uh, you know, uh, a kind of scrubby music. It's in the DS one. Scrubby to music. grow flowers, you have to play music for them. Yeah, that's a myth, though. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah, music doesn't actually make flowers grow. Yeah, but you really have to do it in Chibi Robo. That's a myth. Oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want us to be pro- propagating that type of disinformation, so let's make sure we toss a disclaimer on the end about that. So you mean if I talk nice to my tomatoes, they won't grow better? Actually, talking to them, the I mean, I think Wait, this you is, want tomatoes to be acidic, so you'd have to like insult them. I think it's far <laughs> from scientifically proven, but the idea of talking to them is that it gives them carbon dioxide or whatever. <laughs> you know, because you breathe out. But music is sort of like um, the way that a penguin feeds the baby penguins by spitting chewed up fishes into its mouth. So next time, try chewing up some dirt and spitting it on your plants, uh, and maybe that'll help as well. Good gravy. Anyway, if uh, does anyone have any other gardening tips they'd like to add before we wrap up? <laughs> All right, no gardeners in the bunch. That's uh, unfortunate. <laughs> I guess none of us are over eighty years old yet, so it's not to be <laughs> not to be expected. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, in that case, thank you everyone for joining me. Uh, it's been a fun experience, and we'll see you next time.